Wolf and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. He sounds pretty good. He sounds pretty articulate. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Yeah, welcome into the show on this March Madness Thursday, live from the Ak Chin Community Studios. It is the Wolf and Luke Show. Wolf, I will uh, gotta say, it's uh, it's uh, all the jobs I've worked in the past where I had to like pretend I wasn't watching March Madness while right. I was at work. Yeah, we just have all the TVs on all the different games here. This, this is amazing. kind of a dangerous proposition, is it not? Just all <laughs> the games on right now, of course, here at the the beautiful Shangri La, ladies and gentlemen, the broadcast studio, the use that it is and now all of a sudden you're telling me here in the auction community studios that we've got every one of the television no we've got two because two are not well two are burned out yeah Yeah, that's right it's always that that's the rule of 50 you can only have 50 percent of the tvs working we're gonna have four no we only have two on right now but you know what honestly it's awesome here it is the tournament is here let your bracket busting begin See, this is why I think we're okay, because those TVs out there in the newsroom that, that, that they're using for actual news, if I sneak out there and change one of those to a third game, I can see it from this angle I'm sitting here right now. Okay, so. that's very cool. <laughs> Look, I mean, it's all about priorities. Here. I love this. Yes, you're you're definitely working it out somehow, yeah. some way, Luke. Well, I had a great idea, too. We should have just done brackets like within the show to see who did better, but now the tournament has started, so it's uh, that's over. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. But you've done a bracket, of course, have, right? Yeah, yeah You're one of these guys. Yeah, I was going to say that, though. See? But, but it's not that's in you. the same pool. See, I think that there's, there's an etiquette. I, I'm not... You can do, I guess, two entries in the same pool. I'm not going to judge you any more than that. Eh. But I ended up in three different pools, and that's a, that really messes with your mind when it's like two hours before the See, game. I would just say if you're going to do a bracket, do a bracket. I did basically. I just do did a, the same bracket. Do a bracket that is convicted. Yeah. Do a bracket. Uh, don't change it. There's a lot of people who fill out a lot of different brackets, and they change their brackets. They oh, do. I didn't know you could do oh, that. Oh, they do, man. Are you kidding? Once you me? lock yeah, it in, it's locked in. No way. That's, that's what I'm saying. If you're going to do a bracket, do one. We'll get back into this because I, I did pick one team in every bracket and I hate myself for it. But the Phoenix Suns with a 129 to 112 win over the Houston Rockets last night will four different Suns players with 20 or more points. This stat kind of blew me away. That's the first time all season that's happened. Now, they played this game without Chris Paul. They played this game without uh, Jay Crowder. They played it without Cam Johnson, and they still won by 17. Yes, I get that it's Houston, but uh, how about Torrey Craig stepping in, just going 8 for 8, 3 for 3 from 3, and scoring 21 points, 14 rebounds. You know, once again, you know where I begin on this one right here. Um, Set the scene, ladies and gentlemen. From a professional perspective, you look at this game for the Phoenix Suns, the fact that they're playing the back end of a back-to-back, and the Rockets were two and three in their last five, by the way, beating the Lakers and the Grizzlies. Two and three in their last five. So they were playing a little bit better as of late. Um, it's an impressive said, win over the Grizzlies. As you said, no Chris Paul, of course, no Cam Johnson, no Jay Crowder, and not a problem whatsoever. They are 27 and six on the road after blowing out the Rockets again. You know, I the professionalism, when you're not challenged, and it is, it is it is an amazing thing to actually be able to summon your passions against a team when you know you're not challenged. And yet, Devin Booker, 
Look at Devin Booker and watch how Devin Booker played. He was lights out. 36 points, 15 of 24 shooting. That's a great shooting percentage, especially for a guard. Usually you see the guys over 50% are the guys that are standing two feet away from the rim the whole game. And that's that's why you have those guys. But when Devin Booker's out there hitting more than 50% of his shots and going off for 36 points, you like your chances to win. This is Booker after the game. They, they're like, oh, great. <laughs> Book, what's going on here? What, what is driving your self-motivation during these games that are essentially meaningless in the standings now uh, just competitiveness I mean to see the things that I say to myself out there you know to my to my teammates it's just you know you you want to find ways to to get things going um I've been trying to get to the free throw line more that that hasn't happened I'm um, shooting like one or two a game in a big stretch which is unbelievable you know to me but just trying to find ways to to stay motivated in you know we're building we're building you know chris is out jay was out tonight we're we're down some men and you know we just want to keep this train moving we're building <laughs> the wow. desperation is there for devin booker it's competitiveness that's what it is it is a a, a situation where i know this very very well what it's like to walk on a football field and be desperate from the get go i know exactly what that is is like what's amazing to me about this is Devin Booker has so many reasons not to be desperate <laughs> when he goes out onto a floor. He, he and yet does. He, that competitiveness is what drives him. He's, he's clearly wired that way. I mean, I think I think any Suns fan already knew that. But uh, but people that seem to just be catching on that Devin Booker played in the league around last year or this year, it's it's you know it's obviously not an act. It's not something that he has to to force himself to have that internal motivation. It's interesting what he said there, though. What he say? You should see the stuff I say to myself or my teammates out there on the floor. Yeah. It, it it just it gets me thinking like there's there's all these comparisons to Kobe because not even so much how they play, but just because Kobe was, you know, somebody he looked up to and they had yes. that, that you know that historic conversation. He has be legendary on his shoes and all that stuff. There is just the way he is driven that is similar to Kobe Bryant. And yet you know, as much as I, as as I appreciate Kobe, there were a lot of times Kobe's teammates were like, "Man, this guy's tough to play with. Like yeah. he's so good, but he like demands a lot." You never hear that about Booker. Like his teammates really like Devin Booker. He's found a way at this point in his career to blend the just being intense, constantly playing Houston. Come on, Book, like calm down. It's Houston. This game doesn't matter. He's the same level of intensity, and yet it works with his teammates. Yeah, you know, I love the point that you made right there, though, in regard to him saying, uh, talking to myself, how I talk to myself and my teammates. Mm-hmm. You know, that is, that is, uh, I'll never forget um, what it felt like to go out on a football field and from time to time, based on Orleans, I, I knew I didn't have it. I knew I was in trouble. I knew it. Now, it was rare. Believe me, it was rare. But I knew I was in trouble because I didn't have it. And the best way to fix that is to start calling out your opponent. <laughs> start calling him out. Who's the guy you Guy's used to always pick on? Anything. Bill Bates? No, no, I didn't pick on well, whatever, Bill Bates. But the guy you always directed right. it to was I'm just Bill saying, Bates. It would be, yes, every time we'd play the Cowboys, <laughs> it would be directed at Bill Boy Bates. Because if you're going to call out Bill Bates or anybody like him, you better get yourself going. You better go. You better ball out. Sink or swim. If you're going to say something to your teammate as well, you better bring it. Like, now, if you say something to your teammate, 
That's very interesting to listen to D book right there. So I wonder if he uses that himself to get himself going, because especially when you play 82 games, it can't be a situation where you go onto the court every night and you feel like I'm ready to play. Here we go. I'm ready to go. At some point in time, you got to be able to stoke your own fire. And I wonder if B, uh, D book does that. Uh, more from Devin Booker says the Suns are still evolving as a team. I mean, everybody's growing. Everybody's evolving. That's what. You know, the, this regular season's four. You know, I think last year was our, our, our first season together of, of finding the chemistry and finding what we do and work, what works well down the stretch. And, you know, just still trying to find those ways, trying to, you know, manipulate the game and, you know, find different ways to win, make winning plays. That's what we're usually yelling out in the fourth quarter. And, you know, it starts on the defense end and we get on transition. You know, we're kind of hard to match up with. That, that right there. That whole soundbite right there is is why I'm not worried about this team. My my only concern earlier in the season was like, okay, wow, like this is a ridiculous run. But what happens that final like month, month and a half? Are you just going to kind of get stagnant, waiting around for the playoffs? Especially the way the the standings have broken, where Golden State, you know, go, I know they're on a bit of a winning streak until uh, you know <laughs> we'll get into Golden State from last night. But um, you know, there's there's not nobody's pushing the Suns. They yeah. have to push themselves. What he just said of no, we're actually still getting better and you can see it Wolf you can see areas of these games this is not just like coach speak or a guy saying that on the team you can see if you watch the Suns oh they are getting better in this area the fact that they're still finding ways to grow in this month that could be just a complete downtime and, and, and put them in a position where they'd have to flip the switch in the playoffs that's in- very encouraging yeah I like what Devin Booker said as well in regard to finding different ways to beat you you know and we can beat you in a lot of different ways and that honestly is what I love about the Phoenix Suns. They are chameleons. There's no doubt about that, man. They can beat you. What do you need to do? Shut it down on the defensive end of the floor? Is that it? Because maybe the Suns aren't having a good shooting night? That's what they can do. Lock you down on the defensive end of the floor. Or maybe, like last night, when you look at it, okay, you don't have somebody that really matches up well. Well, how about we just own the paint? And that's what they did last night. They owned the paint 64 to 40. They were plus 24 in the paint against the Rockets, of course. Fast break. Maybe that's what you need. Chris Paul's not here. How about we go ahead and pick the tempo up? And that's what they did last night again. Pick the tempo up. And I think it was almost a three to one margin in fast break points at the Suns. Yeah, 28 to 10. As a matter of fact, how many points they scored in, in a, f- a fast break situation. So to me, once again, they can do it in a lot of different ways. And I think that's what D book was talking about. When we come back, we'll get into some football. The Cardinals now have a pretty big hole to fill that Chandler Jones has left behind. And there's one edge rusher catching Wolf's eye. We'll tell you who it is next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. I'm not alone because the TV's on, yeah. All right, Wolf, I saw a bunch of different websites yesterday grading every NFL team through free agency so far, which is, you know, really everybody should probably get an incomplete grade. There's there's not working with the full sample here. But I still looked anyway because, you know, that's who I am. And uh, the CBS had the Cardinals with a C- so far through free agency. Okay. So a couple things. Um 
like I said, that's very incomplete. I think on this this year's team, this team in particular, with all the questions a month ago about you know how well this team fits together around Kyler Murray, the fact that guys want to come back and that they are bringing those guys back, I think is probably undervalued in a grading system like this. I know you love grading systems, too. yes, of course. But uh, but the grade aside, I will say this: three days in. I'm a little nervous that they've only added one guy, especially because Chandler Jones, who I don't think anybody thought they were going to pay $51 million to over three years. Chandler Jones is gone right now. So at this exact moment, they have a a pretty big hole to fill on the edge. Yeah, I would agree with that. They do have a big hole to fill on the edge. Um, You know, yet at the same time, I think the Arizona Cardinals have known for a long time that they were not going to be able to bring back Chandler Jones. Yeah. I think even Chan knew that for the most part. So I'm sure they've got some type of plan that is out there right now. And once again, even though it's so much easier to just be able to line four guys up and drop seven into coverage and still get pressure on a quarterback because you've got some great edge rushers, one of Vance Joseph's feathers in the cap, so to speak, has always been his ability to create pressure, in particular with using five guys and bringing a five-man pressure package. That's how he built his reputation, as a matter of fact, in the National Football League. It's something they do very, very well. Now, again, do you hope to have an edge guy that can come off the edge? Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. There's a lot of teams out there that are looking for an edge guy, but there are still some players that I think are out there right now that still could help the Cardinals. Yeah, I th- I think if you're a Cardinals fan, because everything you just said is true, they 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 must they they knew they weren't going to bring Chandler Jones back, so they had some sort of contingency plan in mind. They, they knew there was going to be a moment where we don't have Chandler Jones and we haven't replaced him yet. But at this moment, if you're a Cardinals fan, you're like, all we've done is keep some of our guys, not all of our guys, but some of our guys, and added a guy that played 16 games two years ago. Now. <laughs> That could be that could work out. There's there's a lot of thought of okay if Kyler Murray improves if this happens and that happens, but just on paper all they've done is lose a couple guys, prompting Dan Orlovsky. I would say to go a little bit overboard, but say this. It also makes me think a little bit about the the, the Cardinals. They're just getting picked off a little bit yeah. this year mm-hmm. in comparison to last year. Christian Kirk gone, yeah. Chase Edmonds gone, now um, Chandler Jones gone. Yeah, you know, they they are getting picked off, and that's what happens when you have some good players. They get picked off. Yeah. That's exactly what happens right there. And, you know, again, at the the same time, I I think if you go back and watch the tape, this, this team was built around their offense. And their offense was the strength of this team, period. And go back and look at when they were the strength. When they were winning. When they were winning. You go back and look at it. Oh, my goodness. How did they do it? How was their offense the strength? How did they do it? Oh, you know what? They had a guy by the name of Max Williams who was lining up. They've only gotten better because they were able to keep Zach Ertz. That's something that I don't I don't think there are some analysts out there that are actually looking at and evaluating correctly. Zach Ertz is a big free agent signing because I get it. He, he, he wasn't here at the beginning of last year. He showed up in the middle of the year. You went four and seven with Zach Ertz, yet Zach Ertz allows you to go out and sign Max Williams, and it changes everything for the Arizona Cardinals, in my opinion. It's, it, it resets. The Cardinals' offense, it takes them back to when they were 5-0 and 7-0. and Well, and from my perspective, Ertz is the guy that, that 
you know, there's there's still some untapped potential, I think, for the card. Like you bring it, you bring back James Conner. You had to bring back James Conner. When you look at these moves individually, nobody's paying that much for Christian Kirk outside of Jacksonville. You're not going to pay Chase Edmonds and James Conner, and you had to bring back Conner. And you probably couldn't bring back Chandler Jones, or at least they had already decided that a while ago. It's not like they just got surprised. So to Dan Orlovsky's point, I don't know. I don't. I can't imagine the Cardinals feel like they're getting picked off. I think they expected all of this so far. But when you go through and you're like, okay, you got to bring back James Conner. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know that I expect a better season from James Conner. I just want him to do what he did last year. Justin Pugh, I'd be happy if he just did what he did last year. The one guy that they have signed or added so far where I look and I say, oh, they, they actually could be improving with that is Zach Ertz. Yeah, there's no doubt it is Zach Ertz. But again, don't miss my point here and what it is that I'm trying to say. Losing Chandler Jones, that sucks buttermilk. It does. Christian Kirk, the same thing. That stinks. But I think what's happening here is the Arizona Cardinals have recognized they were 10-2. and two. They were 10-2 and two at one point. Why they totally collapsed once again down the stretch the last five, six weeks of the season, totally collapsed, that to me is going to be a mystery they've got to solve. They have to do it right now. But what they're doing, what these signings say, to me at least, is they're saying, hey, we were 10-2. and two. And our, the offense was really, really good. And we're going to go back and we're going to bring that offense back. And we're going to double down on that offense. And we're going to try to build from that point forward. That's not going to get a lot of attention by anybody across mm-hmm. the country. That kind of mentality, that's not going to do it. Yet having said that, Zach Ertz to me was not part of the plan going into last season. He was part of the plan at the midway point of the season. Now all of a sudden, Zach Ertz is changing everything, and it makes Christian Kirk expendable. Why? Because now all of a sudden, you're not going to be running as much three-wide receiver. You're not going to be running that. And you're not going to be able to pay Christian Kirk $82 million. You're not going to be able to do that. So what do you do? You go out and you sign Zach Ertz. And now you move to 12 personnel, two tight ends, as opposed to three wide receivers. That is what they've done. That's not going to get any acknowledgement or excitement across the league. I understand that. But for me, it's a huge paradigm shift. For this offense. Yeah, but you're right, though. That's that's the sort of nuance that if you are CBS and you're tasked with, okay, go through all 32 teams and look at who they've added and who they've lost, it's easy to look at the Cardinals. And and, and I will admit, there, there's I've got some concern here, too. Right now, but we're only four days into this, all they've done is bring guys back and add one guy. But... You're right. And you look at Zach Ertz, you're like, eh, okay, this this is potentially adding more than one guy. Now, back to Chandler Jones, because that's really when the focus started to go towards the Cardinals losing guys. Do you have anybody in mind that you, because there's a name out there, Minnesota's, <laughs> if Minnesota's really going to try and trade Daniil Hunter, I don't know if you can afford him. He's due like an $18 million bonus yeah. uh, coming up, which is why they're trying to trade him. Yeah. Uh, I would take Daniil Hunter if there was any possible way. He was at 35 sacks in his last 39 games. We, we saw him against the Cardinals earlier in the, the yeah. this past season. There's no doubt about it. Daniil Hunter is good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll take him. If you're going to tell me right now, Ron, there's one guy you can actually have on the edge for the Arizona Cardinals play. I'll, I'll say Daniil Hunter, sir. Yeah. Of course. Only 27. But I, I'm only 27 years old. But once again, you know, um, there's a lot of competing general managers that are out there that are salivating over Daniil Hunter right now. 
and hoping that somehow, some way, he's going to be out there. Apparently, the Rams are one of them. I go figure. Yeah, shocking, go right? Go figure. Yes. Um, there are some other guys that are out there. Dante Fowler Jr. is out there. He's 27 years old. He's got a world of talent, and yet his production has waned. Over the last few years in particular, got paid and it waned. Hmm. You got to know that, dude. You got to know that person. But Dante Fowler Jr. is a guy that maybe you want to sit down and talk to and try to get to know a little bit more. Jadavion Clowney is only 29 years old and he's out there. Some people thought he was going to get 13 to 15 million dollars. I don't think that's going to be the case, Luke. I like Jadavion Clowney. If, if you got I him, like if you could get him on the cheap, I, I do I, like him. I do like that if you can get him on the cheap. I hold on. When you say Dante Fowler Jr., all I hear is Michael Porter Jr. Just so you know, <laughs> just goodness. so you're aware of that. I'm going to have to drop some bars at some point in time. If they right sign Dante Fowler Dante Jr. Dante Fowler Jr. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Melvin Ingram is out there as well at 32 years of age. Mm. I like him too. Melvin Ingram. Mm. Oh man, if he gets healthy, I'm telling you right now, he's still got a little pop. Got some jets in the pants. Still gets the corner. Um, there are some guys that are out there. Again, I'm not trying to make him out to be Chandler Jones, ladies and gentlemen. I am not. Um, but at some point in time, you, you've got to come to... The reality, the situation that you're in right now, and the reality thereof, and say, okay, we're going to lose some good guys here. It's called the salary cap in the NFL. And that's the reason why, once again, the salary cap is, is a great mitigator. It is. You get good, and then you've got problems with the cap. When you're bad, you don't have any problems with a cap for the most part. You know, if they had it in baseball, maybe the Dodgers wouldn't have just added Freddie Freeman, so they have 19 oh, yeah, MVPs in their lineup. All right, text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up, March Madness is here. So does Arizona have the easiest path to win the whole thing, and what's that going to do to the Valley if it happens? It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. It is the Wolf and Luke Show. Wolf, I have long held the stance that October is the best sports month of the year from like day one to day 31 because you got NFL mixed in too. Yeah, no doubt. But this is the best week of it. March is the second best month on the sports calendar and it's Great. close, but this is the best week and, and it's not even close. The tournament is back. And Think the, about the first it, couple rounds. Are the, and this Woo! is the real tournament. They're not in a bubble. It's not getting canceled like it did two years ago. Like this is it. We're watching... Michigan and Colorado State right now. They keep showing guys from the Fab Five. You got Charles Barkley, which is one of my favorite parts of March Madness because he obviously knows basketball, but he doesn't know half the players on these small schools, and he just says stuff, and it's great. Yeah, no, I love it, man. Honestly, I absolutely love it. The tournament is here. We are the Wu Fan Clan and the Wolfley Compound, of course. We pass the brackets out. The winner gets a hundred bucks. Okay, a hundred bucks. The winner of the tournament gets a hundred bucks. I can tell you, it's a big deal right now, and it's so cool 
to see my kids who are 13 and 12, how they fill out the bracket, right? They just fill it out a lot of times. Oh, I like that name. It's it's really they probably cool. win too. There's a lot of people, exactly, a lot of people that enjoy doing it that way. Everyone's got their own tradition, wherever they may be in the compound, but for us, it's a big deal, man. It is. I had a friend that used to fill it out based on which mascot he thought would win a fight between the two mascots, <laughs> and he lost every year, but he had a lot of fun. That's no, that's beautiful. What an excellent filter. You're you're a big BPI guy, I hear. As a matter of fact, this is what I do for years, of course. Um, the BPI, the straight BPI, you take all the guesswork out of it right now. You you remove yourself from the equation, which is the best part of, uh, of doing that. Uh, the warrior queen looks at me and says, isn't that cheating? And I said to her, what are you talking about? Um, there's people that are out here. This is all they do. I watch five college basketball games a year. Mm-hmm. And four of them are ASU games, all right? <laughs> well, you're not just, watching them today, apparently. I'm just telling you, exactly. I'm just telling you right now, Um, yeah, I'm going to sit around and I'm going to watch all these. No, I've got a life. I've got a life. There are some people out there that absolutely love college basketball, and, man, that they, they watch every game that is out there. I'm not one of those guys, so why wouldn't I trust people that watch it all year long? Why would I insert myself into the equation? I call it intelligence, is what I call it. <laughs> Does the BPI work? Because I'll give you my formula. This is one of the things that I'm I'm oddly, I don't know if I've just gotten lucky year after year on this or what, but I, I tend to do well in the brackets, although this year I, I, could, I hope I, I don't do well. But I go with uh, teams that can't hit free throws, sorry, okay. you're out. Teams that hit a lot of threes, I'm interested. Uh, Ken Palm, have you ever used Ken Palm, that website? No. That's why would I use Ken Palm when I use BPI? Because <laughs> I think the BPI factors in Ken Palm. Can I just tell you right now, BPI? Um, I've used straight BPI based on on every bracket since we've had the bracket challenge here. Yeah, and I've won three times. Okay, you win that a lot. I'm just telling you. Oh, there's nobody else. Nobody else has won three times. So nobody. I used to do. I actually used to cover college basketball for uh, for ESPN's website, and 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 what they would do. Everybody would use Ken Palm. Like that was like where they started. So that's like that's the secret. I mean, it's not really a secret now. It's pretty. It's pretty well known. Well, it's no BPI, but it's, yeah, it's usually not pretty BPI. good. It certainly is not BPI. But once again, I mean, these people. This is all they do. They sit around. <laughs> they sit around and they they come up with this basketball power index metric that vets games pretty doggone well. Yeah. Also, usually go with coaching. Like, I'm going to take Tom Izzo over some guy that hasn't coached in the uh, in the tournament before. Now, let me ask you this, Wolf. Yeah. What do you think happens if U of A really wins the whole thing? Because oh, I think they, man. I not only think they can, I think they will. ASU fans, how are you going to feel about that right now? Well, that, okay. They just are even loosely um, related to ASU. How do you feel about that? I mean, I can tell you I don't feel great. You don't feel great at all. But you know a high tide floats all boats? It doesn't. No, this is just a high tide flooding your house. That's all this is. What's going to be annoying? You don't believe? Okay, you don't believe it's it's going to create that fight or flight mentality? No. If you want to, if you want to try and sell me on, hey, UCLA wins the whole tournament, or Oregon wins the whole tournament this year, but UCLA or USC or whoever wins, okay. Not U of A. U of A winning the whole thing does not it does not float all boats or whatever you said. Okay, but I do. I think they're going to win it this year, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how people around the valley react because your hardcore ASU fans are not getting on board. I would say anybody who went to ASU really probably shouldn't be getting on board, but we're going to see a lot of people around the valley who didn't go to ASU or U of A. 
take that stance you just took of, wow, this is cool. You know that. Look, let me just reiterate, and I'm going to say this a lot in the next couple of weeks. I sincerely hope I'm wrong. I just can't find another team out there that looks really all that good. It feels like kind of a, a really spread out year. And, and Gonzaga is really good, but Gonzaga never actually wins. Yeah. They just go deep every you year. You know, it's really interesting because Houston is number two in, in BPI. BPI. <laughs> BPI You're the two. second there person to tell me that today. Houston was number two in BPI. Guess who's playing Houston if, in fact, they win, ladies and gentlemen, which we all expect that they will. Houston and the U of A. Um, the, and that's where the U of A has met its match. Really? You, you think that? Well, according to BPI, once again. <laughs> so wait, so you go 100% off go BPI. BPI. We salute you, Sir Ron Wolfley, for you are the Bracketeer. All for one and one for Wolf. All right, here's what we're going to do. That is... Awesome! You have your bracket somewhere, right? Like it's already I, filled out. I do have my bracket okay. filled out. As a matter of well, fact, I've, I've got to, mine. I've well, got mine right just, here. Just pull up the straight BPI bracket, yeah, and you'll and see that's it. it. <laughs> okay, you'll see it straight BPI. And it's so funny because the Warrior Queen once again said, "Isn't that cheating?" I was like, "Cheating? What are you talking about? Oh, that's these not are cheating. these are people. This is all they do." They sit around and they come up with this metric that vets college basketball games. Do you have any idea how much money they invest in this stuff? Knowing, especially now in the world of gambling that is out there, knowing that there's a lot of people wagering a lot of money based on BPI. Um, yeah, there's a lot that goes into that thing. And over the years, I just sit here and think about it again. Nobody's won it more than three times here at the station. All right, so this is what we're going to do. Because I don't think I was in that. I think I was only in that once or Luke, twice. Luke, you need to taste that, That's first what, of all. This is what we're going to do. You need to sit there and taste it. I, we're going to take because your bracket. that's the truth. We're going to take your bracket. We're going to take my bracket when this is all done, and we're going to see who had the better bracket. <laughs> who do you have winning oh, one it, One year, okay, with Gonzaga. Okay. Of course. You know Houston's going up against Jordan Jelly Walker in the first round, um, right? I understand that right there. Yeah. Just totally. based on nickname alone. Okay, that's great. You know, nice little nickname right there. They're going to roll you. BPI says so. So you have Gonzaga over Houston in the um, championship. Because if Houston's number two in BPI. Yes, I do. I can't believe this works. Straight BPI. Well, you know, once again, you insert yourself. See, that's the problem. Yeah, I have. You definitely. insert yourself into True. the equation right there. Um, I don't know how you want to process that yourself, Luke. But <laughs> we'll see who wins the title first. You're the problem. Yeah. Well, this year especially, I've I've <laughs> let emotion play into it. Usually with ASU, when they're in it, I'm smart enough to go. They might win the play-in game. They're probably not going much further than that. But this year, I've absolutely let emotion play into it because I can think of like four or five people off the top of my head that are going to be insufferable if U of A wins the whole thing. Boy, this is this is a good game right now, Michigan. <laughs> Colorado State, oh my goodness. Yeah. This is a good game going on right now. You know what I love about college basketball and what I love about the tournament specifically is the desperation you can see on the defensive end of the floor. It is so clear-cut when you watch college games. Look at the desperation on the defensive end of the floor. I love to see that. That's number one. What I hate, the free throws, to your point. The free throws. You just watch so many. They're they're shooting 55% from the line. Please. I love the fact that at a time like this, all of a sudden, a bunch of people, myself included, care about South Dakota State. 
And I don't know. Well, I, I think I do know the answer to this, Wolf. But uh, I've been in Vegas during March Madness before, okay. and it is the most ridiculous thing. Like you will go, you'll walk by a fancy restaurant, like the fanciest restaurant in Vegas, yeah, and they'll have South Dakota State and Providence on a TV, and people will be gathered around watching it because it's just everywhere yeah. in Vegas for obvious reasons. All right, we'll come back. We'll get back into football. Should Kyler Murray want to wait on a potential extension so the Cardinals can keep adding pieces to their roster? That's been done before, and it's worked. That's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. I do like what you said last segment, Wolf. I, I, I hope you're right. I hope emotion is clouding my judgment this year. And that's why I'm picking you away. Hopefully the, the, the emotion of not wanting them to win has forced me on some level to be like, okay, if they win, at least I win the, uh, the pool. And if they lose, eh, I don't think you can put a price on them losing. So basically, I don't think you can lose. But that's how I've sort of you're in a reasoned win-win it. situation, right? <laughs> or a lose-lose situation, depending on how you want oh, to look yeah. at it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, all right, the uh, the Cardinals getting some stuff done in terms of bringing back the guys that we thought were the top priorities in free agency. Uh, but there's obviously still, and you've been saying this for a few weeks now, Wolf. It, it all hinges on what happens with Kyler Murray, right? I mean, all this other stuff is great as long as you have Kyler Murray. Bart Scott was on with Burns and Gambo yesterday, and this is not the first time we've we've heard a version of Kyler Murray shouldn't want the extension right now. We've heard in the past he shouldn't want it because he might actually get more money if he goes out and plays this upcoming year and waits. But Bart Scott was like, the Cardinals should be waiting on Murray for their own reasons. So I'm going to make them play it out. You don't dictate the rules of engagement to me. Who the hell do you think you are? You haven't done anything. Prove me, prove me something. Show me something. I mean, we've given you everything that you can ask for from an offensive standpoint. We went and got you uh, Rodney Hudson that, that shored up your, your, your offensive line. We got you James Conner. We had you a strong running game. We went and got you A.J. Green, who will probably walk in the Hall of Fame. We got you the best uh, receiver in the game in DeAndre Hopkins. We got you Zach Ertz. What do you need? Like, if you can't win with this, once we pay you, we can't afford to keep all these type of players around. You know, it's not only that right there, honestly. Um, I've been on the record and gone on the record as saying that if I were the Arizona Cardinals, I, I'd say, you know what, Kyler, I understand you want to get paid now. I understand you want that extension in your third year. I'm just telling you right now, we're not going to do it. And you can sit there and say, you're not going to play. Okay, you're not going to play. That's fine. Um, okay. I guess that's where we're at right now. And honestly, if in fact this is just me, and it's so easy for me to say, ladies and gentlemen, because I really don't have skin in the game. (laughs) It's so easy to say, right, for me. But if in fact Kyler Murray says, I'm not going to play then, forget about it. I'm not going to play my fourth year. I'm not going to play under this contract. I'm not going to play then. Then I'm picking up the phone. I, I am that, now. That's just again. That is just me. And the reason being, Basinonians, is because of the precedent that it sets. The precedent that it sets, where you're being dictated to. I, once again, you've got to you've got to run an organization. You've got to run a sports franchise, and there's got to be some stipulations in which you run that you are not willing to change for anybody. It's just the way that it works. And you've got a guy right now that is getting paid a lot of money 
He's still making a lot of money. Is he underpaid based on his production? Yeah, he's underpaid. There's no doubt about that. But you set this precedent, and now all of a sudden you've got issues going forward. Yeah, because this is supposed to be the stretch of you go out and you draft a quarterback number one overall or you take him in the first round or whatever. This is supposed to be that time where the team still has control. And there's a reason the team's supposed to have control so that they can go out and build a team around Kyler Murray. And to Bart Scott's point right there, and I, I don't even know that I've ever really thought about it this way. Kyler Murray's in a pretty good situation. I mean, there are there are other quarterbacks or other players around the league that you get drafted into the wrong spot, and it really it really could mess up your career. I understand things haven't been perfect here, yeah. But look, let's, all those guys he just rattled off. Steve Kime has given him as many weapons as you could possibly ask for to be in this league, and in your second year, you just get DeAndre Hopkins. And through your first three years, you've had DeAndre Hopkins, you had Larry Fitzgerald, you've got Zach Ertz now. A.J. Green, I understand, was was not great in the second half of the season, but that's still a pretty good player you had. You yeah. had Christian Kirk. They go out and draft Rondale Moore. Like, they have, bring in Rodney Hudson might be hey, the James biggest Connor. of all of them. Yeah, James Conner. Like, they have, they have put in the effort to put a lot of pieces around Kyler Murray. Just in terms of starting your career in a good spot, he's in a pretty good spot. Yeah, there's no doubt. And when you look at what the Arizona Cardinals have done, especially on the offense, side of the ball, they focused on surrounding Kyler Murray with a lot of players as well. To your point, in regard to Zach Ertz, mm-hmm. and and his Zach Ertz was the first domino to fall, so to speak. But Justin Pugh as well. That's a big underrated signing, man. I'm telling you right now, it is underrated and undervalued by a lot of people. Justin Pugh played his best last year, had his best season, and he's had some solid seasons with the Cardinals. He played his best season last year. The fact they're bringing Justin Pugh back to help protect Kyler Murray is a big deal. Once again, this is just me. Um, It's my perspective. Yeah, I would, yeah. I'd make him wait. And if he's not going to play, if that's what he tells me, I'm not going to play, then I'm picking up the phone. I have no other I have no other alternative. If that's what you're all about, it's all about you. Even though we've got even though we've got a contract that is set up, this sets a precedent. You could go sign him to a six year contract. Who says he's gonna honor that? Yeah, that that's that's a good point. And and, and it tells you a lot if you if you go to him and, and I'm with you, I think they're going to sign him this offseason, but but if you went to him and you're like, Look, man, like we're gonna we're putting this team around you. We think we can run it back this year. We think we have a real good chance to finish what we started last year. You will get paid next year. Yeah. Just go out there and show us you're what you can do one paid. more year. And he's like, No, I don't wanna then then you're, I mean, that tells you a lot. Now, maybe he wouldn't do that. Maybe, maybe it's just posturing by his agent. Maybe he wouldn't actually do that. Maybe he would, he would take some time away from, from, you know, everything now that we're a little bit into the offseason. And maybe he'd think about it and be like, you know what? Yeah. It's not what I want, but I understand why. And I'll go out there and show you guys you're going to be paying me more next offseason. Exactly right. And you know what? Honestly, at this point in time, I think the Arizona Cardinals want to. Yeah. I think they would say, yeah, we will pay more. We will pay more. Go out and continue to show us that you are developing as a franchise quarterback. Go out and show us that you can win a playoff game. Go out and show us, and we'll be happy to pay you more. And I believe that. I think the Cardinals would be happy to pay him more. I, I feel pretty confident that if James Jones were the GM of the Cardinals, Kyler Murray's not getting paid this offseason. Mm. Don't you? And, and yes. I'm not saying if they pay him, it's the wrong move, because at a certain point, you look around the league and you see all these teams scrambling for any sort of scraps at the quarterback position. Sure. I understand. But, you know, to your point, 
you don't want to set that precedent of, well, this guy's actually running the team. You don't want to let that happen, right? So I, I understand it if they sign him because of the desperation for quarterbacks around the league, and he's a very good quarterback. But I'm just telling you, if it was James Jones, I just feel like James Jones would be like, we're not even talking till next offseason. Uh, here's more from Bart Scott on with Burns and Gambo. The reason that we're able to go out and acquire all these guys is because you are on your rookie deal. And if Lamar Jackson, after being an MVP, had to wait and, and was willing to wait, who the hell do you think you are? And where do you think you rank to tell us what to do? Oh, you're going to go play baseball. Well, good. Go, go do that. Let's see how long it takes because last I checked, Aaron Judge is still waiting to get paid. He's been the best player in baseball <laughs> for a long damn time. So go down to AAA and take the bus and see how you like that lifestyle. Bart point Scott well doesn't miss right words. No, no, point well <laughs> taken. There's no doubt about it. And this is one of the reasons why, again, it's going to be very interesting to see how all of this transpires and when, in fact, he does get paid. I'm with you on this. I do believe that Kyler Murray is going to be paid this offseason at some point in time. Now, it might not be more toward, it might not be until more towards the summer near training camp, but I do believe he is going to get paid. I would not do it, just for the record. That's just me and it's easy for me to say it's easy for me to say because i don't have skin in the game well it's also it's what bart scott just said right there it's not and i know you can restructure stuff and move money around i get that but just in general it's not just we're trying to send a message to kyla murray it's this gives us the best chance to put a Super Bowl team around you while you're still good you're still good and getting better but we're not we don't have to pay you a ton right now again the biggest thing with Kyler Murray is you're going to get paid either way in a year yeah once again I want my franchise quarterback to uh, be a franchise quarterback I want him to be a leader through and through I want him to care about how he plays and how he develops of course as a franchise quarterback yet at the same time I also want him to care about winning. The team winning, which the, I, the we part of it and not the I. Yeah, and and there's like I don't doubt that he cares about the winning, but perceptually, there are times where it looks like Kyler cares about Kyler winning. You know what I mean? Like I said, there, there's still, and this is just perceptually, but it there are times where it feels like, hey, who's coming to town this week? Oh, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. <laughs> Like it almost like it's it's like a group, but it's not necessarily a full team yet. That's just perceptually. It might not be that way. That might not actually be the case. We'll get into this later on in the show. You got Zach Ertz and James Conner and these guys coming back. Zach Ertz in particular is like, I'm coming back because I want to play with Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. That says something. Zach Ertz has been in the league for a while, and he's one of the he's been one of the very best at his position for basically a decade. Boy, that, that told me so much when Zach Ertz signed and Colt McCoy was the other. Oh, when Colt McCoy signed, that said an awful lot to me about the future of this organization and the future of Kyler Murray being in it. All right, we come back. Back to basketball. An update on Steph Curry, who got hurt last night. How much does that impact the Suns, the Western Conference, the Warriors, everything? We'll get into it next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.